Hello and welcome to season two of the podcast Woo! for the recently deceased. Right. I'm your host, Nate Roberts. With me as always, this guy. Rodney Godek. How we doing, everyone? <laughs> All right. What's up, brother? Oh, you know, it was a long break. I really missed uh, doing this, so I'm, I'm really glad that we're back. Um, mm-hmm. I did get to watch a lot of classic horror because we kind of only do new horror on the show. Um, right. As I what kind just, of classic? I was just saying I watched uh, In the Mouth of Madness um, and uh, Prince of Darkness. Uh, so both. Well, yeah, John, both those John are Carpenter's. on Shutter, right? Uh, I think Madness is. Madness was well because yeah. I want to say that a lot of John Carpenter were on uh, Shutter yeah. last month. Because I, I watched I watched The Thing and They Live with Sarah. Yeah, I think on August first they fell off. Um, Probably. Because I, cause I did just watch Prince of Darkness and I had to uh, I had to Amazon it, pay the dollar um, rental yeah. fee or whatever. Um, yeah. And that was, I'd never seen that movie before and that was weird. I mean, I I haven't seen that one yet. Yeah, Carpenter Carpenter's the man. It's a weird one. Well, interesting that you bring him up because uh, recently uh, someone had tweeted, and again, you're not. I don't think you follow the Twitter as much as as I might. But at any rate, regardless, uh, someone tweeted how. Is it time for us to call Jordan Peele the best director of horror in the modern era or ever? And Jordan Peele quickly was like, uh, get the hell out of here. Uh, do not disrespect John Carpenter, John Carpenter. in that way. <laughs> so it's yeah. kind of funny that you mentioned that because we're talking about Jordan Peele tonight. I actually remember that tweet, and I remember thinking to myself, is John Carpenter the greatest? And I, and I actually – so, like, I, I checked myself. Uh, on it, and and I think that he probably would be given the title if you if you objectively went through everyone's work. Um, sure, it's such a long career, yeah. and there are some A tier movies that are genre defining or sub genre defining in within horror slash sci fi. So it's like that's a shoe in. It's just he has made a lot of garbage. It's sort of like the same thing with Argento. There are he defined Jalo in a lot of yeah. ways, uh, but he has some awful ones. We reviewed Black or Dark Glasses not long ago, and it's not great. It's it's okay, yeah. it's entertaining, but it's not his best. And so, it tarnishes a little bit of the luster of a great director. But yeah. they're allowed to make trash from time to time. You know, everyone has those. It's sometimes you need to eat, and the work that you make is not going to be the best. But you get a film, you do what you can with it. Yeah, I, I mean, I honestly though, when I looked at all the IMDb's, I actually had trouble coming up with uh, with an actual uh, like rival. I mean, um, sure, you know, you've got um, you've got the Dead movies from Romero. That's all he really did. Um, you look at Wes Craven. He has got uh, Nightmare and Scream. Uh, you know, Carpenter has Halloween, and then he has a bunch of one-offs that. I mean, Scream's a great franchise, but, you know, Scream is no thing, right? Right. It's, yeah, it's, it's they're, they're A-tier or S-tier in their own little niches. It's just that uh, Carpenter did so many other ones, you know, yeah. uh, Snake Bliskin as a character. Oh, Granted, right. Granted, the second movie was kind of garbagey, but it's sort of fun garbage. Right, uh, right. But New York was excellent. Uh, I and just, with They Live and with Halloween, it's oh, just, yeah, there's so much. I did. 
I also just watched uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Uh, of last, course, yeah. Last night with Anastasia, she had never seen it before. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, um, she hated it. Um, yeah. And and I could see it. <laughs> I, I mean, I could see why. Like, if it wasn't for nostalgia, I don't know how good that movie really is. Yeah, it's a funny thing <laughs> happened to me this weekend. It's similar. I showed. Uh, so my children are um, well, one's five and the other's turning seven in October. And I'm like, I'm trying to introduce them to horror. So they're already doing the Scooby-Doo thing, which I think was sort of my beginning gateway into horror because they deal with spooky stuff and mysteries. Sure. But uh, so I wanted to sh- I've been showing them some scary movies. I showed them Arachnophobia earlier this summer. So right. this weekend I was like, let's watch the monster movies that are fun and approachable. So I was like, okay, we're going to do Ghoulies 2 and we're going to do Critters. Because there's some violence and gore. It was a little bit of language. But for the most part, it's not they're going to have nightmares necessarily. Right. It's kind right. of fun, stupid stuff. And I was watching i'm like yeah these are pretty awful but they're kind of fun for me because it's nostalgia so i i had to by sunday afternoon before they were going to go back to their mother i was like let's watch tremors because this is also not that inappropriate there's more language but it's a much better movie uh oh, as far yeah. as a creature feature and they loved it they were yeah. my, my five-year-old uh, when the road crew is doing the work and the, the jackhammer gets taken uh, by the tremor or the graboids, and oh, then he yeah. gets pulled and taken over the cliff, he's cracking up laughing at it about this dude dying. I'm like, oh my god! And then yeah. the other guy gets crushed by rocks and he's he couldn't stop laughing. I was like, this is great. This is good yeah. news. And I then, I, uh, I love tremors. I love tremors. Kevin Bacon, Fred Ward. I mean, come on, that I mean, that movie's a classic. Yeah. And uh, recently we were we reviewed shit. What was it? Uh, After midnight, right. and uh, Val was the name of the the buck that the main character shot in that. So shout out to uh, Christian Stella, the cinematographer, <laughs> uh, DP. On, the guy who did uh, the guy who did everything else. <laughs> everything else that really made a difference in um, in uh, the battery, which was a zombie film made in part with Jeremy Gardner, who starred in After Midnight. So. Quick little side note, you know, Tremors has a big allure. So anyways, but I was just saying the, the certain movies Tremors. do lose their their, their enjoyment uh, as an adult. You see why it's not watched by everyone. Yeah, yeah. It goes it's, solidified, it's solidified for us at a certain time in our lives, and it doesn't have the same appeal to a different generation. Right. Or someone that didn't see it as a kid, like she didn't. Right, exactly, exactly. She can't get into Goonies either. It drives me crazy. Uh, I'm okay with that. <laughs> I'm not a huge Goonies fan. All right, all right. Okay, so for tonight's episode, uh, let's talk a little bit about the show. Uh, you know, we normally are on the two-movie format. I think we're we're cutting it down to one. That way we can talk about it in more depth. We can, you know, really, really chew the fat, um, get down to the, to the meat and other such um, uh, metaphors about food. Um, so tonight, <laughs> uh, so tonight we'll be, uh, digesting, if you will, uh, Nope, uh, the latest from Jordan Peele, uh, his third, uh, direct, direction, directing, perform, whatever. Written, uh, director, written and directed, because uh, he wrote, because yeah. he wrote Candyman, so you can't, you can't. Uh, well, yeah. a Jordan Peele joint, we'll call it. A Jordan Peele uh, joint. Yeah. Spike Lee kind of like made that his thing, right? That's a Spike yes, Lee joint. Yes, that's a Spike yeah. Lee thing, yeah. 
Does Tarantino um, have a word for his films? Though, so. No, but um, we, we were talking about the schedule earlier, and I, I think I filled in one of our dates with a movie that has Snoop Dogg in it. Speaking of joints. Oh, okay. He just, I think, broke the record for having the world's largest gin and juice made. Oh, nice. Like Great. a giant I It looks like a dunk tank filled with <laughs> liquor and orange juice. It's fucking stupid. <laughs> That's awesome. Congratulations, yeah. um, Mr. Dog. Yeah, with his um, mind on his money and his money on his money mind. Money on his mind, yeah. Uh, all right. So, uh, nope. So what we're so, going to well, do... Uh, our format. Oh, so Our format, yeah. We, 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 we sidebarred again. Sidebarred, yeah. So the format. Uh, so we are uh, doing the things a little bit different. We're going to focus on one film. That way it gives people or viewers a chance to just not have as much homework to watch what we're doing uh, and enjoy a thorough conversation about the film we're talking about. Mostly newer films, but we will probably go back and watch uh, some reviews of older classics and things that are, yeah. uh, you know, signpost films in the genre. At any rate... Uh, we will begin our conversation with a relatively broad stroke synopsis and feelings and thoughts on the film as a whole. And then we will get into a much deeper dive, spoiler uh, ridden conversation about the film to get into all the, the gushy parts that you want to get into uh, hidden meetings, symbols, interpretations, artsy bullshit, or just dumb fanboy fun as fuck type stuff. So that's where the real conversation gets going. So, Please be aware, we also rate things on a scale of 1 to 10. 1 being garbage, you do not want to watch, you hated watching it, you wish you had your money back for seeing it, even on the streaming services that you pay for a month. And 10 being excellent, pinnacle, awesome film that you will recommend to everyone that is representative of the genre and does everything right and is a uh, landmark film for the director and the people involved. Oh, yeah. A, nine, so, a 9 or a 10, I would say, if you don't already own it, just buy it. Don't just stream it. Like, give these people money and have a mm -hmm. physical copy of it on your shelf. Yeah, um, and that, it's, that's a good point. And because also, to reiterate, uh, you do not own anything digital. Even if you want to buy a, a voodoo version of that, uh, they can take that away. As was proven not too long ago, I think PlayStation is removing people's access to someone's film. I can't remember. But people that bought digital copies of a certain... Uh, uh, studio house or something they're all just going to get pulled from their online content and they won't yeah. be able to give it anymore so physical media is important absolutely absolutely um also uh don't be afraid the double features are not going to go away um mm -mm. we will we'll still do them from time to time they'll just be a little more special um i think the first one you'll get to see um will be similar to our firestarter v firestarter episode when we do salem's lot v salem's lot which uh, I'm very excited about because um, I'm a I'm a big King fan anyway. So yeah, uh, he so rules. He does rule. <laughs> <laughs> Sutter Kane also rules. <laughs> 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 yeah. All right. Um, okay. With that being said, I think we're gonna uh, get started here. Uh, let me just do one of these and say, nope. The residents of a lonely gulch in inland California bear witness to an uncanny and chilling discovery. Oh my God! Someone someone wrote a a decent uh, teaser. <laughs> this yeah, might be the first one I've read. <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of gulch in inland California. Like the double yeah. N is kind of annoying to me. Sure, but sure. Yeah, uh, it is uh, mysterious. It is descriptive. It's also obscure, 
it's kind of perfect. It gives nothing um, away. It gives nothing away. It's sort away. of like the first trailer for Jordan Peele's Nope, which kind of just wet your palate, and I was okay with seeing the subsequent trailer or trailers I was not a big fan of because I felt it showed too much, and I was kind of – I caught one during the Black Phone, I think, and I did not like it because I, I was like, oh, i got to turn this off, but I can't because I'm hearing it. Uh, so that was unfortunate. But, you know, Jordan Peele knows what he's doing because even if I look back at the trailer, uh, there were things that happened in the movie – that it was still unique and different than what was in the trailer. The trailer kind of led you one way, but the movie did do something else. And so I think that's to his credit where he knows how to kind of cut a trailer or to help. I think someone did it for him or the studio house or sure, whoever, Universal. Sure. Or... So we're starring uh, Daniel Kaluuya, Kiki Palmer, um, Stephen Yen, uh, Brandon Perea. Then we get uh, two really great uh, – I don't want to say cameos, but like bit performances. Sure. Uh, for one from Michael Wincott, one from Keith David. Uh, yeah, I, l- I love stars, yeah. I love Keith David so much. Speaking of John Carpenter, Keith yeah, David, they man, they the live thing. and the thing, man. He was uh, um, who was he in the thing? Is his name beginning? Child. 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 Yeah. Was his nickname. Yeah. Uh, so good. And I I can't help but think that you know. Peel is like intentionally including someone like that to help pay respect or homage to a great. There's a ton of older uh, black actors that could have done the role, or just a nondescript, no name type black actor could have given it to, which might sure. have been more fair to get someone a, an audience. But to to throw one to Keith David, uh, I think proves that his little tip of the hat to someone like Carpenter and Keith David's work. Sure, absolutely. So All nope. Right. So nope. Uh, first, just just right away. Uh, what a great movie! Um, yeah, excellent movie. This was a fantastic uh, third feature film for Jordan Peele. I think it it stands up with the others uh, and alongside all the other great summer movies that have been coming out. Yeah, yeah. I I think um, I think it was fun. Uh, fun is a great word. Like you know. It got to like be uh, heady, like a like a you expect from Jordan Peele, but also yeah. um, also you could have totally just ignored that and just like been there for the ride. Um, yeah, so I agree hundred so percent. I, I, I think yeah. that that's what was awesome about it is that this film was different than the other two because it felt like this was for a broader audience yeah this yeah exactly mass appeal was fun yeah. popcorn munching type uh sure. movie with horror elements sci-fi elements adventure elements and was just a great ride um and that's that's awesome i feel like this was him saying hey i can do this kind of a film too that should get broader appeal and so i'm interested to see how box office results translate how i interpret it being received and how it actually is received, because I feel like it should really get right, a lot of the attention. Right. Yeah, and it's got a lot. It's got a lot against it for someone who hasn't seen it. It doesn't have star power, and it doesn't have, uh, and and it's in the horror genre. So there are a lot of things riding against it that, like, the only star power it has is the written and directed by Jordan Peele, um, which you know is probably only going to bring a certain kind of audience. It's going to bring those Key and Peele fans, and it's going to bring those horror fanboys. Um, certainly why i watched it i'm I'm in both of those camps (laughs) yeah i know i mean i was gonna see it regardless because it's jordan peele yeah uh and 
I think that was predominantly why I was going to see it because I know what to expect from them and I'm going to be interested in it. And then second, it was what kind of a story. It had enough intriguing elements where it was like, oh, this is going to be like an alien type thing, it looks like, uh, which I believe was pretty obvious from the get-go, regardless of what you might have seen on a trailer, the art and everything that was being released talked about that. It looked like it referenced the sky and people looking up. So, um, And just excellent. So, um, man, I think that this film does a lot. Uh, I think it excels at grabbing you right away and taking you on a fun ride that, to your point, has all the Jordan Peele elements, all the neat little tricks or kind of tongue-in-cheek references, all the homages and um, character interactions where the dialogue is really interesting or engaging and fun. Uh, it's quippy. There's like hidden meaning, or I think that subsequent watches of this film, you're going to find a lot of things that reference other parts of the film. Like, I know that we've both already noticed a bunch of that. Oh, yeah. Which is great to see because I don't notice that as much in uh, the other two films, Get Out and Us. Us, maybe more so, but Get Out is a little bit more straightforward. It doesn't have the same kind of like need for symbols and things like that. But this film does. And it's, it's just great because it, it showcases a different angle of him. And I think that uh, his name has now got to be a part of the conversation. We've joked about him in the conversation, someone thinking he's uh, the best and not John Carpenter and him defending John Carpenter. But he's up there with uh, other directors that you want to see their work, you know, like Eggers, uh, uh, Robert Eggers, like Ari Aster. Um, He's sort of like uh, has this M. Night Shyamalan type appeal now, too, with the way that his films are interesting and have a a neat twist. Except his movies are good. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I really like Shyamalan. I even like. I But I was uh, I was on board Shyamalan, through Sixth Sense, through uh, Unbreakable, through Signs. I like The Village a lot. Um, and then it starts to waver. Yeah. Uh, I. I uh, okay. I waited too long to watch Sixth Sense, so I so I knew everything. Oh, so it was useless to you. Yeah. yeah. Um. I I did not like Unbreakable. I did enjoy signs and i did actually enjoy the village the twist was fine like i yeah I didn't, it was cool I, and it's it's a it's a uh it's a romance movie yeah yeah it's, it's about love and like and william hurt makes that very clear in his monologue at the end of that film uh you know the world moves for love and it's to me as like an emo high school kid who was on the outskirts of all the social groups that just fawned over certain girls I knew were unobtainable and listened to goddamn Screamo and everything else like that. Like, it spoke to me, okay? It's pathetic in a lot of ways, but that's where my head was at at the time. It helped me feel good about shit. Uh, So, so yeah. uh, Shumlan, who knows? I haven't seen Old yet if if he's turned the corner or not, but... Yeah, I, I keep putting it off. I keep seeing it there and going, one of these days I'm gonna get to that. Yeah. I don't know. I know, because it <laughs> never seems like it's going to be fun. But, yeah. man, so Nope. Um, so back to Nope. through and through, I, we would both definitely recommend this movie. Is that right? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, if you haven't seen it, go see it. Pay the money. Get the box office ticket. Be part of the statistics. Uh, movie theaters need you now more than ever um, so they don't die to this uh, annoying, horrible streaming crap. 
Yeah, I mean, that's sort of, I agree 100%. Um, some people argue that things coming straight to streaming is not bad. Um, and I, I'm on the fence about it. I understand why it's necessary, and I think it is good that it's giving um, a platform to films that probably would go under the radar and not be seen by anyone if they right. hadn't had the stream platform. But I do hate that certain things are never going to be in the theater. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm never going to cancel my Shutter subscription, but I would love to cancel, you know, a few others, right? Sure. Like my HBO Max or my my Disney Plus, uh, like all that stuff can go back to theaters and Blu-rays for me. I don't need a subscription to those services. Um, yeah. You know, Netflix I'm going to keep around for a little while just because of some shows. Hulu I've already canceled. And so it's pretty much just like Shutter, and and Netflix, right? Yeah, I still have a couple of the other ones, but uh, we share it with a couple other families, and so it's not a financial burden necessarily. Sure. Uh, sure. And until they start cracking down on that, I think it is safe to to keep it at the dollar or two a month. Sure. So, sure. all right. So to summarize, we definitely are recommending this movie. Um, it has all the things that you would want to see in a fun summer blockbuster event. It is big. It is not a narrow scope movie. It deals with a lot of thematic elements that are all about this idea of an alien entity and these characters that are trying to navigate their way in uh, modern day Hollywood as horse ranchers and horse trainers. And so it has a lot of cool commentary and dialogue about their place in that historical context take it or leave it you don't need it i think it makes them for a much more rewarding experience but like you had said it doesn't uh, to quote to say uh alienate an audience it doesn't right. it is still very welcoming and accepting because by the end of things here you're going to be in for what jordan peele is very out front uh and outwardly saying is a spectacle and right Right. There's so much to interpret and to peel away, and that's what we're going to get into in our spoiler section. But, man, it's a great ride and, and well worth the price of admission. Um, I landed at eight stars for – nope, on our scale of one to ten, I landed at an eight. And I – man, I, I really wanted to give this movie a seven, uh, but the more I think about it, I have to also give it an eight. Um, Jordan Peele uh, subverts expectations um, again, uh, and what he what he does is you know it's if if you're not familiar with the term or like like how magicians and or comedians um, do what they do right there's like a setup and the setup walks you down path A and you expect that at the end of path A is the end of path A and they give you the end of path B without walking you down that road and but the but the the actual path B is similar enough to path A where you can draw the logical conclusion that path B doesn't not make sense mm -hmm. right so that's how they do it and uh and Jordan Peele uh just you know he just did it again he knocked it out of the park and he he also did it in as we keep using this word blockbuster he did it in a way that he hasn't uh, done it yet. You know, his yeah, last two, his last two films, film is huge. Yeah, it's huge. The last two films, um, you know, they weren't they were they were big. They weren't 
huge budget, but they were actual studio films, but they they felt like they could have been indie, independent, you know? Well, um, yeah, because for the most part, they're all shot in small interiors. There's not a lot of large exterior environment shops, and in this film, there's a ton of them. And so just the amount of production that's involved in getting to create a movie of that scale and that magnitude it costs a lot more money it takes a lot more time the more people are involved it's it's a completely different animal and his ability to go from that closed environment and setting with us and get out to then do something of this scope and scale and production is uh like seamlessly is a testament to his abilities as a writer director on this level it's just awesome yeah. So we're both landing it at an eight. Uh, yep. Go out and see it. Please Absolutely. do it. Especially also, before our next segment. <laughs> I'm also impressed that all three films were written and directed by Jordan Peele. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Candyman was so good, uh, written by Jordan Peele, directed by Nia DaCosta. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as so so done so well, you know, it's almost like was she, was she calling him up, being like, Hey, what did you mean when you wrote this? Or, or was he on set every day, just like helping out, because it was just done so so well. Like you, you feel like Nia DaCosta delivered exactly what the script called for. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it and, seemed like a really good. Uh, the conversations and the relationship should have been pretty strong throughout that because it just felt seamless with the way that it was. Uh, written and then portrayed on film yeah, through, the, her, uh, and the, through her eyes. And the fact that all three of um, Jordan Peele's films, uh, you know, he hasn't he hasn't had a writer to lean on. Uh, you know, it's been, mm-hmm. he's he's been doing all the work. In fact, I think uh, if I remember correctly during the credits, this was written, directed, and produced by Jordan Peele. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. You know, he's wearing a lot of hats, and he's he's getting work done. But he's he's also delivering the art that he wants to deliver, right? He's not uh, he's not being told what to do by some producer who's like the studio needs you to, you know, show a Pepsi can in this scene. <laughs> oh yeah, so we're not watching <laughs> Studio Six 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 with fucking bags of Doritos all over the place, and then hey, involve the Doritos in a part of the movie. Okay, we're gonna have someone step on the Doritos, and we're gonna get upset. He stomped on my Doritos, bro. <laughs> They're not cool, man. What a dick. Uh, <laughs> all so, right. With yeah. that, right. uh, let the spoilers begin. <laughs> yeah, there is a ton to peel away. Quote to peel uh, our friend to yeah, peel away. Peel. <laughs> right, um, man. Uh, so I guess I'll right out the gate. I think that in general, the biggest thing for me that I think is huge spoiler and uh, you should not be listening to if you haven't seen it yet. But the reveal with the uh, that this is actually. Not only is it a Western sci-fi uh, horror film, it's a creature feature. It is a creature feature. This was my favorite reveal of this of the film, that the um, the UFO was not a flying saucer. It was a monster of some kind. I 
I don't know why I had never thought of that as a possibility. Like I'm watching, I'm like, man, it's moving like fucking crazy, man. That's a crazy uh. thing. That crazy ship. What are they going to do? Uh, and then yeah. even whenever they, they do the tease in the barn, which we'll get to, like, I was like, oh my God, this is what's happening. Cause that's what you expect. And yeah. like you had already, he subverts your expectations. And I don't know who the fuck came up with this, but it's just excellent. And oh. yeah, it's a creature and yeah, it makes so much sense. And the whole look and design about it is perfect, Nate. Yeah. It's the air is just like uh, in a lot of ways similar to water. Water, so water. This is yeah. When you consider the Earth seventy percent water, the oceans like ninety plus percent not explored. There's creatures you don't know about. The yeah. same could be said for in the air, which I know you have a theory on. Yeah. But the <laughs> way that it moves, the shape of it, and the way it's able to yeah. navigate, it all makes sense. That this, this is this thing is definitely. Is a thing. This is definitely a monster jellyfish that treats air like water. That was like yeah. my big like takeaway uh, for for what the monster was. Like it's a jellyfish kaiju. Um, that that okay. Think about the history of of flying saucers, right? It's you know it's yeah. always a disc, right? There's the abductions, right? And for the most part, it eats a cow here or a horse there. You know they're very peaceful. They just they just they're just living they got to eat to live and yeah. every once in a while a, a person might get stuck up in there and he just gets he, sometimes they get shot back out right they spit him out because of for something they don't like or whatever reason right and um and this one uh flying saucer monster whatever you want to call it this <laughs> he just got fucked with and and you know you can feed a wild animal um but you can't fuck with one. Like, it has defense mechanisms. It has instinct. Um, and I think that's exactly, like, what what he's showing us here. And especially with the correlation to uh, to the monkey story, which we'll, I'm sure we'll get to. Um, th- that's the big foreshadowing. They show you this monkey story, like, ten minutes into the yeah. movie. And then, and then exactly what happens in that monkey story happens to... To them, mm-hmm. later. Um, yeah, they're living it. That, that, the, yeah, the, the the retaliation and the uh, the outburst kind of is a longer lasting thing because it's not a closed environment that it has to all be re- uh, resolved so yeah. quickly. So yeah, but I think I just wanted to like, mention it right away because like that reveal to me was so exciting. I don't know why I never thought of it, but I had never <laughs> thought of the ship is the, is actually a thing. Yeah. You know, and it was uh, it was beautiful and terrifying, and what he does with it was was impressive, right? Uh, and what it allows him to do with it then, and and the fear of it, God, it was it was perfect, you know, because it 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 became like uh, like Jaws in a lot of ways, you know, yeah. when we talk about Spielbergian and and the the scope of it, yeah, uh, uh, so much stuff. So let's uh, uh, let's go, just go start from the beginning because we've already talked about some of the symbolisms and things that are there. Let's sure, just start sure. from the get go and we'll just go through things. And so sure. you mentioned the the chimp attack. So the film starts with the audio segment of Gordy, the TV show, the fictional yeah. TV show that both, uh, showcases on a chimp that uh, Stephen Yoon's character uh, Ricky Jupe um, was a star of, a child star, child actor star. Uh, and there you just see the aftermath of the chimp going uh, uh, ape shit on the set <laughs> uh, after being disturbed or shocked by something. And it yeah. sounds like it was like a balloon pop. A balloon so pop, yeah, it just yeah. opens up and you just see the gore of it. Uh, unfortunately, 
but probably, fortunately, it makes sense. There's a CG chimp here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's covered in blood. I mean, and we mean covered in blood. Oh yeah. Like all the way up its arms, its entire face, and its chest, and it's in costume. Of, with, like, a Cosby sweater on, you know, because it's like a... <laughs> a fucking Cosby sweater. Because <laughs> it's like an early 90s, or 90, 1998, I think, was the year that this happened. Um, the You know, the Gordy TV show, so... Right. Yeah, but it's a very eerie, uh, ominous opening, you know, yeah. and I'm like, what? Uh, what is this? Because, and, it's, it's again, subverting expectations are putting you in an uncomfortable place, or sort of red herringing you like where you well, don't right. know how to approach here's, it. You just here's some, here's some info yeah, mean? here's here's some information you're gonna need, um, but you don't yeah. know why you need it and you're not gonna But need I love it that too, because it. it's just in the back of your head, it's just sitting there and you're like yeah. okay, you're you're on edge, you're uncomfortable right away. It's a right really away. great kind of uh, opening to it. So we cut to um the farm where yeah. uh O J played by Daniel Kalia uh is our lead, uh, Otis yep. Jr., uh, and Otis being his father, played by Keith David. They're kind of on the farm just talking. They they are horse wranglers, uh, and we'll get into their story once we cut to uh, the next scene after that, but they're kind of hanging out talking. Electronics shut down. The corral that's walking the horses goes dead. His phone's getting out. They start hearing a weird noise, and there's sort of like a hailstorm, what seems to be a hailstorm, but then you find out it's not a hail. It's uh, objects. Uh, because his father uh, starts to get struck by something, and he's like, his, the horse walks away, and then he just falls over, and yep. he has to rush his father to the hospital. And um, you, see a, you see a key sticking out of the, the horse's, horse's uh, hind quarter. Yep. Yep. And, uh, and, uh, and he takes his father to the hospital, and uh, he's like kind of talking in the car, but there's blood all over the window and the seat, yep. and it finds out like his father is dead, Uh he and was, was killed uh, by a nickel yeah. that entered his eye and, and went all the way into his brain, and just more or less that was it, that was it, and he's just gone. And yeah. I think you it, very briefly they mentioned something about like uh, airplane junk coming out of the sky or falling, and that's yeah. meant to be his his explanation. Right, which and then, uh, which he never believes. Right, you know he's looking at the evidence. It's just it's very suspicious. It's odd. Yeah. Uh, and so then they cut to six months later where now he's the one running the deal. And they're, so their family are part of a long line of horse trainers. This is a fictional historical context to one of the original things shot on film. Of the a first, black, uh, yeah. The, fir- the, the first, first motion picture, was it uh, six seconds of a, right. uh, of a black jockey riding a, a horse? Right, and, so uh, fictionally, this is a guy who they are the great-great-great descendants of. Uh, Alistair Haywood. Haywood, Haywood, yeah. Haywood. They've been uh, horse trainers ever since, and that's their family business, training horses for Hollywood. For Hollywood, And yep. so Otis is now the proprietor of that lineage, and he is anything but the spokesperson for what he has to be to run this farm. He is not that person. Right, and right. And so he's on set. <laughs> And uh, it's not going well because he knows the animals. He doesn't know people. Right. He's very uncomfortable. He's waiting for his partner, who's his sister. He's like, she's late. Um, you can kind of get the feeling that she's probably always late. Like, he de- he definitely doesn't yeah. seem surprised, um, but definitely still disappointed kind of thing. Uh, she shows up, and she gives the, sh- the spiel. Um, one uh, thing that's 
um, I read about this scene was uh, so when Otis does the does the you know the the intro, he yeah. says he says Alistair was his great great grandfather, and the daughter the his daughter in this scene yeah uh, it would be the great great Emerald. great yeah. yeah it would be the great 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 grandfather, but she just says great great because she just memorized his yes. his like uh, pitch verbatim. She right. has no she has no investment in the business. She wants to do her own thing. She even after she gives the the intro, she tries to sell herself. Besides, I sing and dance and I act and I do this, 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 and blah, 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 call me, uh, which really pisses uh, OJ off. Um, yeah, and to be honest, whenever she's first introduced, I'm sort of of uh, the belief, like, I fucking hate her. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm like, I, I, I definitely didn't like help her. Help your brother either. out. Like, yeah. <laughs> sell your goddamn business. Like, this dude's fucking dying here, and he, he these two aren't listening, not respecting. Like, help him out. And she's often her own thing. And like, she really drives that point home after things go wrong. People aren't listening to OJ. She's off in the corner, publicizing herself again, self-interest. Mm-hmm. They want to shoot the scene. He's like, no, we need to give the horse a break. Of course, got to rest for a couple minutes. Like, no, of course, you're just gonna stand. It's fine. Let's go. Come on, everyone's ready. You ready? You ready? Go. They, the horse sees his reflection, freaks out, kicks. Someone's behind him. Shouldn't have been behind him. He's telling them about to be behind him. They are anyways. Horse freaks out as it should because no one's respecting the animal. Uh, horse is shit canned. They bring in the CGI horse, uh, Sandy, with the dots and the green screen. And yep. that's all she wrote. So right away, and you find out, I guess, later, uh, Emerald sees this gig as a side gig this isn't her job right, she's got all that that's her primary focus this is her side gig right and he doesn't get that because to him this is the gig uh but right in this first scene uh you just see like the the sprinklings of what the film is talking about as far as respect of the animals and hollywood culture and the exploitation and the um I guess the the forgetfulness or the uh, unwillingness to acknowledge the past or who, you know, ancestrally who was in charge or who contributed to filmmaking, you know, as far as like people being on the outskirts of it, you know, this family is now uh, as Hollywood is doing more CG horse training is not as important. They'll just get a CG horse. They wanted a real horse, but we don't really care. It doesn't matter. It's just a set dressing to what's happening. You're secondary. So it's already talking about it. It's already putting it in your brain. You're chewing on it, and it, uh, it sets it off as a great tone. Uh, and you get to see the brother-sister uh, dynamic that's already kind of drifting in uh, how they navigate dealing with the passing of their father. Yeah. Uh, okay, so this takes us to um, she's going to stay with him. Uh, yeah, they're going to take the horse back first, and then that's where we get to meet uh, Ricky who's one of our other uh, side characters, uh, Jupe, Jupe, owner of Jupiter's Claim. Ricky, yep. as, like you said earlier, the actor, child actor that was in that scene from Gordy, and that's what we're going to find out here. OJ has been selling him horses to pay for all of his debts and to keep the farm alive and sustainable because he hasn't been able to get or retain work and pay the bills otherwise, so he's having to you know, stint the bleeding by selling off horses, and he wants to talk to Ricky about buying them back eventually. So this horse he just gave him was lucky. He was the one that was on set that just got fired. Yeah. So they're talking about it, 
and Kiki's just not interested. She doesn't give a shit. She's interrupting. Also, what's great uh, in this scene is when he mentions buying them back, um, mm -hmm. uh, Jupe immediately is apprehensive and yeah. vi visually uncomfortable and changes the subject. And this this might yeah. seem inconsequential to you at the time. In fact, it does. It, it made me go, hmm, but I almost completely forgot about it. By the time, yeah, it's not by until the time, after when you're the, yeah, about it. yeah, yeah, until I put it all together, because I because you get that there's something there, like he's hesitant. Either he, but the way I interpret it is like he doesn't really want to sell those horses back. Like that's all there was. Yeah, not what it turns not into. what it turns into, right? Exactly. Uh, he he can't sell them back. They're <laughs> dead. They're dead. The horses are dead. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, but Kiki's interrupting. Uh, keep on fuck. Uh. Emerald is interrupting the whole time, yes. talking about the movie. And again, this is another cool little reference. She's talking about the kids, like, "Oh, you were the little Asian kids in the movie. Whatever happened to the little black kids in that movie?" And it's like, yeah, <laughs> some child actors they go on to do great things, and other child actors don't do shit, and like they're just put to the wayside for whatever reason, A, right. B, or C. So he's in this famous movie that they're talking about, the one that he made this theme park out of. Jupe, uh, he was one of the actors, but he's like he. He, because Emerald is so into it, he's like, I've got a back room that I don't show everyone. Do you want to go see it? Because he's happy to leave the conversation about the horses and yeah. go on to Emerald. You don't realize why. It seems like Emerald's throwing things off. Yeah. And, and you resent her for it. But he, it's actually he wants to take him in there because he wants to talk about this. And so this is a whole back room that he has on his theme park, which is about other cool Wild West attractions. But this back room is a shrine to Gordy. Shoe Gordy, yes, yes. It has um, it has the shoe, which um, we'll talk about the significance. The of shoe, yeah. Later, the shoe, oh, uh, the, the shoe, shoe with a single drop of blood on it, and it uh -huh. was, was the, so the cool. upright shoe. Um, what it's else? It's got is different in there? The posters from the TV yeah. show, other paraphernalia and memorabilia from the TV show that was short-lived, and you can see he's like he has such reverence for it, and like this was his moment to really become something special you know this was his uh growing pains you know this was everything to him and it was cut short and taken from him by this horrific and tragic event that occurred with the uh chimpanzee actor that they were using and he they ask about it and they want to replay it and this is where you get the first sense of his trauma and how he's dealing with the events of this uh, act that we saw at the beginning of the movie is instead of telling him about that day, which he could because he was right there and he has this memory, he doesn't want to. Instead, he talks about how Saturday Night Live spoofed it and they did such a great job. That's how it happened. It was hilarious. It was just great. And he yeah. goes into detail about the Chris cast of who was in there. Yeah. And Chris Kattan is the monkey. That's the monkey. And he's like, yeah. he just killed it, obviously. I mean, Kattan. It's Kattan, And I'm like, yeah. It is true. If you remember Mr. Peepers, it was fucking hilarious. He yeah. would eat apples so ravenously, Just and he'd hop on Will yeah. Ferrell's face, and he would, you remember, he'd get up to his face, and he'd... Yeah. And, like, Will Ferrell's trying to compose himself and not lose his <laughs> shit, but, like, how the fuck are you supposed to do that with this guy? Yes, yeah. anding everything you're doing with these insane gestures. Uh, and so it's, like, it's hilarious because you can picture those events, but it's so jarring for you because you got to see those events albeit briefly you got to see the aftermath of it at the beginning of the movie and so you're like 
you see how fucked up this is and how yeah. he's so gone from yeah, life he, of yeah. real life, what he's experienced, but he's still stuck in that moment. Right. He's still reliving it every fucking right. day. Oh, it's yeah. a shrine. He's thinking about it yeah. every goddamn day. Yeah. And he it, hasn't processed it. He hasn't dealt with it. And he hasn't learned from it. Right. So what's what's funny about, about Jupe is that he's essentially the protagonist, right? And you just don't know that until the movie's yeah. over. You know, um, uh, Daniel Kaluuya and, and Kiki Palmer, they this movie happens to them because mm-hmm. of Jupe uh, and, and Jupe's trauma and his inability yeah. to grow and move past uh, this, this horrible incident um, from his childhood. And you know we'll we'll bring it all together uh, as we get closer to the end of the conversation. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing. Like we have to take a minute and just. This is what is so great about a Jordan Peele movie is there's so much that's sprinkled throughout that you get little tastes of, that you know there's a significance or there's importance or the way that it's shot, the way that they uh, the actors convey the emotions of the scene or the events that are transpiring, seem relevant or purposeful or have intent. You don't always know why it's just, a, but it keeps you engaged and things get resolved or um, doubled back on referenced again. And it completes this cool picture that gives all of the cool actiony other otherworldly experiences that are going to happen through the film. It gives them so much more weight and interest and depth where you can feel so much more complete as a viewer for having been a part of all those other scenes. Yeah. You don't need them, but they're nice. It's, it's all of the backstory and all the cool shit that is comes full circle and it makes the viewing experience so much more enjoyable because you feel that there is meaning and purpose for all of that other bullshit that you just sat through. Yeah. And, it's, uh, it's, and it's yeah, like, all of this is like you said, it's all in, uh, important to the uh, evolution of all the characters. It's why Jordan Peele is going to be a heavyweight. Um, yeah. He, you know, it's why we were, you know, you can call this movie Jaws in the Sky. Uh, you can make the, the Spielberg references because um, when you look at, let's say, a movie like Scream, uh, as good as Scream is, the the art, it's not really there. Like, there's clever dialogue, there's good kills, there's some suspense, mm-hmm. but I'm not. that's not an artful uh, horror movie. Um, yeah, they find where, unique ways to play that one note in a lot of different ways and reference yeah, it from start no. to finish, but it is still sort of that one note little thing here. It's a great and this, movie and belongs yeah. and belongs. Oh yeah, no, I'm pretty sure it's a nine or a ten. The <laughs> the Hall of Fame of of horror, but it's not it's not the art of of Nope or Us and that's or, crazy or Get Out. I, and that's what's crazy about this one specifically because it has all of those artful touches, but it's still a fucking blockbuster sci-fi western adventure oh, yeah. epic that a dumb dumb can still appreciate. No disrespect to the dumb dumbs out there, right, but right. it's still awesome yeah, popcorn. The, the, the thir- yeah, the third act is is straight popcorn and a, and a, a thrill ride. Um, uh, you know, getting there. Uh, you know, might might be a little slow for some people, but uh, yeah, I think that we both that, agree there. Yeah, the pacing was that, a little the, the, a little wonky, but it it's worth the ride. It's worth the yeah, ride. Yeah, there's good stuff there. It's just it does slow down because like it goes to, like a second evening where this entity is going to be interacting with, and it's like just taking a little bit more time to get to the good than it seems like it should have to take. 
it all logically makes sense. It's just it gets a little bit stretchy. Yeah, and then vamping for well, for time just to increase the runtime and they def- well they had a nitpick. They had to like add the the angel character and they yeah. gave they gave him a lot to do and then of course getting the director on board because um, he didn't come right away. Uh, right, I had to have a logical. Right. I think that it was it was the thing that I think it just uh, highlights is that he's not willing to um, throw a bandaid on or just throw right. a character in because you need the character. You, it needs to have meaning, yeah, and the only why? way to give the meaning is to have them exist yeah. in another part of it, or to give them more screen time yeah. to explain why they're around. Right, like and okay. that and that adds runtime. Like, right, like with Angel specifically, right? They go down to this, uh, you know, Fry's face, Electronics. Fry's Electronics, uh, to a LA landmark that is, and it's it's on the way out, but the building is still there. That's where they're able to shoot it like that. So they're there to buy uh, surveillance equipment, um, so they can try to get this this what they think is still a UFO on uh, yes. videotape, right? Uh, so Angel's like, "Hey, uh, you want it? You want the installer package?" And they're like, "Nah." He's like, "You're gonna install this?" He's like, "Yeah." He's like, "No, you're not." <laughs> like, how long do you think it's gonna take? <laughs> so he basically talks him into to letting him install it. So when he goes out there, and he's installing the stuff, um, he's with uh, OJ, and OJ's like, uh, "Point it, point it up. Can you point it up? Can you point it? Can we go higher? Can we go higher?" And now this guy who just you know, he happens to be a UFO freak. Um, uh-huh. Goes, what are you guys doing out here? Like, did yeah. you see something? Like, he's like, why are I pointing these cameras at the sky? And to him, there's only one explanation. So he, they can't get rid of him. Like, he even just like shows up the next day randomly. He just drives up there to like, it's gonna rain. So I thought I'd wrap this. I'd put this plastic yeah. over. <laughs> if you guys need anything, just give me a call. You know. So they, yeah, you know, cause very, they, cause, very cause, interesting yeah. character, but like, you know, they, he, Jordan Peele took his time integrating him to their lives. Like he didn't just be like, here's a character that's going to run around with these two. No, he's like, he's actually got rapport with Kiki now. Like they've like, they've made some jokes back and forth. Like, um, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, right. So, uh. At this point, by the time they're at Fry's, OJ has already had an experience uh, outside where one of the uh, horses ran off. I want to say this is Clover. We're going to talk about the title cards. The title cards. I title cards. A, at the end of it, but this film has title cards throughout the act uh, structure of the film. It doesn't delineate acts, but it gives you uh, a focus on a different aspect of the movie or with a certain different character. Title cards are Ghost, Clover, Gordy, Lucky, Jean Jacket, and they all have significance. They're all named after the horse or Gordy, the Gordy. chimp TV show. The Gordy um, chapter where we get the full, uh, the full flashback. Full story, the full flashback. Yeah. Yep. So they're all significant and relevant, uh, and they're also featured on a tee that we designed for the store uh, to grab. So at any rate, um, OJ has already seen. The, the UFO and it's moving in a way that doesn't make any sense. Uh, and so he tells Emerald and she's on board. And I think this is where you start to get the first inkling. And whenever they talk about it in fries, they talk about, we got to record this footage because this is how we can make it. This is how we can save ourselves from all the financial woes and hardships, which each of them have 
for different reasons. Emerald is trying to do her own thing, and it's difficult as fuck. OJ is trying to run this farm. He can't do it on his own. He doesn't have his father. It's hard as fuck. So the idea of having this potential to capture a UFO on film is like the driving force. Let's do this. It's a shortcut to fame and fortune to make our lives easier so that we right. don't have to deal with all this other bullshit. And I mean, and just at face value, that alone is a commentary on a ton of fucking stuff. That That's what everyone wants. But they talk about it through this lens of spectacle and voyeurship of, uh, of, a, of a thing that isn't yours to control or to expose or to you know uh voyeurize it's 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 really beautifully done the way that it's structured like there's so much more there to kind of like just chew on but at any rate that's what gets them surprised they want the emeralds on board she sees she she sees what oj is uh onto when she wants to go be a part of it and so then uh when angel starts to come on board the first night that they have a potential chance for shooting this on film what are they approached with as to what? why aren't they able to capture it on its on the first go? Every time Remember this thing what? gets close, it shuts down all the electronics. But, right, but the one camera is on the TV. Why, did, why don't they get to see the, cam- the alien so, ship flying around? So because of that, like, OJ knew that, so he told Angel about it so they could, he could set up a semi-redundant system where one camera was far enough away but overlapped with the other zone. Um, there is a praying mantis hanging out on the lens of the camera that didn't get One of the few jump scares. It kind of comes down and it's a little <laughs> bit of a jump scare. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so it, again, it's sort of you can't control nature. Animals in nature are going to do what animals in nature do. You all exist and share this world. You can't control what shit's going to happen. So it blocks all the footage of this thing flying around, going after Clover and, uh, and everything else. Uh or the other horses in, in Daniel Cleo's, uh character, OJ. You don't see it. Uh, it's not until they're looking at footage that that's when Angel comes back, and he's like, you guys didn't see it? He's been reviewing footage overnight, and he sees a cloud not moving. It right. hasn't moved. All the other clouds moved. This cloud yeah. isn't. This is where the, uh, the UFO is chilling out in yeah. this cloud and not interacting with people, and this is the way it's able to stay hidden is that it just looks like it's blending into the skyscape. Yeah. This cloud hasn't moved in 12 hours. Right. <laughs> uh, it's great stuff. So that's what gets them to come. And like, yeah, he says there's a storm coming and there's going to be more stuff coming. So they, um, all kinds of things happen here where um, Emerald steals uh, the horse, the horse statue oh, from Jupiter's place. Yeah. Uh, it's got, it's got those. It's uh, the UFO. It's got those used car salesman uh, flags yeah, on it the, that they use. Little, little pennant flags. Yeah. The, yep. uh, shit, what do they call that? Um, uh, there's a name for it. Bunting, I think they call it whenever it's in the house. I don't know if they call it that uh, in a bigger scale like that, but whatever it is, the flags that you would have at, at an establishment like that, like, yeah, a uh, car shop. And, uh, yeah, because they want to attract it or whatever. And that's where they finally um, – they make their plan, and they know rain's going to come, and this is where things really start to go down. Excuse me. Uh, and, yeah, that's the first night where, where shit really goes uh, crazy. Yeah. But they're trying to capture it. They know it's going to be coming. OJ sees the flyer after one of the evenings. He sees the flyer uh, for the Star Lasso experience. Right. 
uh, and this is after a couple nights of hiding from the UFO and it coming into his farm and he goes uh, he knows what's going to be happening he's like I'm going to go get, get Lucky because he knows that Lucky was the last horse he just gave the juke uh, and this is where we see Ricky's character uh, run an event One, no let's talk about the farm first because this has, yeah. the farm happens first. The well, second night is the the encounter first. We should, well, we should also, you know, so it sucks up the the statue. Yes, yes. And that night it does have the statue. It, it, it does eat. It, it eats the statue, but the the tail, uh, of the of the flags is sticking out, and that's where you get the uh, the movie poster. Yeah. Um. So that's the that's the movie poster. It's the monster hiding in the cloud with the with the the tail the flag of flag hanging down hanging yeah. down because um, the horse that they were attached to yeah. uh so but yeah so yeah it does eat that that night but then um things are done that that happens and now uh there's a they're playing music they're drinking she's drinking at the house or whatever but like or maybe she's asleep at this point he goes out because he hears something in the barn uh the sprinklers are on and the lights are on and he knows he didn't see that. So he goes out, uh, OJ goes out to check on that. And this is like one of the best scenes in the movie as far as the, the fear and again, the, the subversion of your expectation. And he goes and he's inspecting, turns off the sprinklers and the lights, just on a switch on the wall, nothing else going on, but it's eerie. Your guard's up. He starts walking away and sprinklers, lights, and he's like, what the fuck? Yeah. So um, he turns them back off. Yeah. Yeah, and there's a, and then and you you see like a away. yeah, and you can see the alien in the background. But you hear something. Yeah. He looks yeah. over and he's he's got his he looks over and yeah, you just you just see like in the corner of the frame right here, like you don't notice it at first, but then all of a sudden you're like, oh, oh shit, there's a little black shape and there's a little head and it starts to rise. Yeah. So slowly. <laughs> And creepy, and I'm like, oh fuck. Oh, and at this point you de- at this point you don't know that it's a monster. You're definitely still. You have on no the, fucking you, clue. You're on the UFO yeah. train, definitely. Yes, yeah. this is these are little green men. Yeah. Uh, and like it's moving all slow, and you see, it and it just rises up slow, uh, and then like that's like a head thing, and and this is and this happens throughout the whole movie. We don't talk about it yet. He's like, nope, nope, and he takes the phone, <laughs> he goes around the corner, <laughs> and he runs away, and he turns back to keep recording it on his phone, or has the camera ready to take pictures. Yeah, and uh, and they they see another head, yeah. and then another head, and one like and it's pops done down. so perfectly. Yeah. yeah, he turns and it one pops down in the horse stall, and he, and he punches, punches it in the it. face <laughs> like fucking Will Smith in Independence Day. Welcome to Earth, motherfucker! And uh, and you find out it's uh, Ricky Juke's kids, kids, fucking and, with him. And yeah, because they stole the horse. They're like they're because like because they stole the horse. Yeah, don't you don't know with, why they have these fucking yeah. costumes. But yeah, don't that's mess what with, it is. Don't mess with Jupiter or whatever. The Jupiter's claim, yeah. Yeah, don't mess with Jupiter's claim, and then they run off. But, man, it that was like a, a seat-grabbing moment because you're yeah. like, holy shit, because it, it was crazy so scene. eerie. It was a crazy scene. I was really like, well I was done. Like, I was like, oh, okay, well, we're going, we're going to the aliens. All right, let's do this thing. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I'm like, oh, and they're interacting. What are they going to do? I remember the trailer showing a weird fucking hand. Like, oh, this is great. Uh but no, it was just the kids fucking with him. Yeah. Because he stole the statue, or Emerald stole the statue. So, 
now it's right after that that happens where he uh it's like the following day he realizes that he sees the flyer for the star lasso experience right and he knows that ricky's up to something and so he goes he's gonna head over there but it cuts right to uh to jupiter's claim and you could see what ricky is doing and so why don't you describe uh yeah. what he's running at the star lasso experience right so jupe is um he's he's got a horse in a in like a glass case and yeah he, lucky is in there yeah lucky's in there he talks to the crowd about um what he witnessed and what you're about to witness or really you're going to leave this show changed um and you know that he's going to send Lucky running straight down into the into the gulf there, and you can imagine that it's going to come down and suck up the source. Um, yeah, his his uh, I didn't realize it at first, you know. I thought like, but I was like, oh, he knows, you know. It right. slowly dawns on me because you see his cowboy outfit. It has a UFO on the back with the goddamn beams coming down. And you see the horse in the box, and then you start seeing all the paraphernalia, the costumes right. that the kids were yeah. wearing. They've got little dolls. Yeah, exactly. Which, sidebar, so, it appears that those are repurposed Gordy dolls, like little Gordy monkey dolls. It looks like they just have new heads on them. Uh, and they could have just been – they could have been stuff that he had that he just is now repurposing as alien things. Oh, okay. That makes and all sense. Stuff calls, I know, and all this yeah. stuff it calls them the viewers. You know, he sees this as, like – this thing he describes as the viewers as he likes to call them as are watching him he thinks that he communes with them yeah yeah he's still he's still the star of a tv show right oh and before we get into that scene this opens with the full flashback what happens in the full flashback nate the full flashback (laughs) they're celebrating gordy's birthday party in this episode right in this episode and a balloon on stage pops and Gordy freaks, and he starts attacking the cast. Now, um, Jupe goes under a table to hide, and basically what we get is like the aftermath of the attack after we hear a bunch of sounds, where yeah. where one of the female actresses, I believe the mother, is has one shoe on, one shoe off, and is, is getting beaten uh, in the chest and face probably by Gordy, uh, she moves a little bit, and he starts again because you know he stopped for a moment. Um, now, beyond her is a single shoe, her other shoe, and it's pointing straight up, balancing in a way that it could not balance. And there's a single drop of blood on it. Now, that's the blood is not uh, necessary, uh, but th- it just is. Um, Jupe uh, is hiding, and, you know, Gordy's moving around. Maybe he's going to find Jupe. All of a sudden, the father comes in, distracts Gordy. He chases the father down. He beats him in the kitchen. Yeah. Dumbest fucking guy ever. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the applause signs are on. There's no one in the things, but he's yeah. coming through set to escape. Like, I guess he ran somewhere where he couldn't get where out couldn't any escape, other way by yeah. coming through the set. Like, a monkey's killing people, and you're going to run past the monkey. It'll be okay. Gordy, be no. Fine. I can, run fa- I can run faster than yeah, this monkey. Yeah, it'll be fine. I can it'll reason with him. <laughs> so, um... Not fucking Dr. Zayas that you're talking to, dude. Yeah, he takes out, yeah, he takes out the, the father, then he comes back to that that area where he might see Jupe, and, um, Jupe is staring at the at the shoe, and he's he's fixated on it, and the and 
Um, Gordy sees him, and he walks all the way up to him, and Jupe doesn't take his eyes off the shoe, and Gordy extends his fist bump, and Jupe goes to fist bump, and then uh, a, a police officer, who knows something, shoots Gordy, and Gordy's body just flies from the velocity of the bullet, and some blood splatters over Jupe. And uh, what Rod was saying earlier, how he's kind of stuck in time due to the, the trauma of this event, um, and that is the the story. Like, that's yeah. the story. This is all, everything you're watching is because of that moment, that experience. Yeah. Um, so here he is, again, Jupe, as an adult, uh, working with an animal he, that he thinks is a UFO. Now, he doesn't think it's a wild animal. He doesn't know that it's a, that it's a monster or a beast or whatever. And, um, you know, he's, he's been feeding it. He's been feeding it. He's, he's been feeding he, it horses. He comes by this time every week. Every week, And yeah. he knows it, so he's planning an audience for this yeah. big reveal. Yep. And what he doesn't know is that this thing is fucking pissed because it just has been eating. It's been it's been being it's been fed horses by humans for who knows how long that Jupe's been running this scan. Right, and six it, months you wouldn't be led to Lily yeah. because the original contact was when uh, Otis uh, died. Otis Senior died. Yeah. And that's when it was doing its thing, which we'll get into the details of what it's doing at that point. But so you would believe the past six months Jupe has been aware and he's been feeding it. And that was maybe at the beginning of when he was feeding it, or he noticed it feeding on right. its own. Right. And now he has been doing it. So you yeah. could. Another reason it hasn't left the area is because it has a, a consistent food source. It, yeah. Has a consistent food source, because you have to. Now we have to, you know, rethink of this thing as a wild animal, right? So it was just fed a horse that it could not digest, and probably hurt it and damaged yeah. it in some way. Imagine swallowing a giant stone thing about the size of your normal food and uh, presumably being fed it by these humans you've come to trust over time because they've been feeding you now so so what does this this wild animal do well it's hungry and it uh it it comes out and the crowd is like oh my god and it flies straight down to the audience and jupe and it sucks them all up yeah, this is wild. So there's a few other things. This this and, scene is incredible. This is incredible. Yeah, this is it's horrifying. Yes. <laughs> this is really like the ultimate we, terror. We also get to see inside the creature for the first time as like they go up its, uh, you know, esophagus. Let's say, for lack of a better right term. Yeah, because that's what it is, and it's like, uh, you know. As far as alien abduction films and where you get to someone is uh, taken by an alien force and get to see what they do to it, there's not a lot that I think has ever driven uh, and frightened me. The only film that really ever did that was Fire in the Sky. And Fire in the Sky to me is absolutely fucking terrifying during the abduction scene. It's mostly made for TV movie during the rest. But the scenes where this guy is being dragged through the halls by these beings, they strap him to... You've seen Fire in the Sky? I have not. Oh, fuck, dude. I won't ruin the scenes, but the alien abduction scenes of this character that you see in the film are haunting. And they gave me nightmares for a long time. I saw this when I was very young. I 
really was really shooken uh, by this movie. So this is what you see is you see everyone sucked up. You start to see this like a couple people coming through these closed walls, wiggling through them. They're being squeezed and they're all screaming. Yeah. And it's just visceral uh, folds of, of, of stomach lining or esophageal yeah. lining. Yeah. Uh, and they're screaming. You just see, you see one little hard, like type of little carapace type looking thing that looks almost like a skin enemy, uh, hard structure, yeah. but that's it. And they're all terrified screaming. Yeah. And that's all that you see in that moment. Uh, but you just feel the claustrophobia the coming in. So the only other things I wanted to talk about the scene that we that we uh, haven't had a chance to delve into, uh, it's twofold. First, it, well, the one is uh, that the other attendee at this thing was Juke's co-star right. from uh, Gordy. And this is the full circle thing where it this references a lot of things. And I think this is just intentional Jordan Peele having fun with uh, storytelling. Right. Uh, she's she has all of the scar tissue uh, and facial reconstructive surgery as best they could from this attack. Yeah. This is the co-star child star that right. he was with, who's been horribly disfigured from the attack, and she's wearing the veil, the same veil that the woman that was also attacked by a chimpanzee in real life in real life when wore... she was on the Oprah show. Yeah, yeah, or when she was interviewed by someone. Yeah. <laughs> and they having the Oprah shot for this for the yeah, alien yeah. that they want to do they're the driving it, force yeah. with Emerald and OJ. And so there's all these like layers of interpretation and, and, and homage and reference and, and meaning and parallels with real life and uh and again she's there. She's also had this trauma that happened and she hasn't moved past. She's wearing a T shirt that shows her photo as a fucking child actor from this thing. Yeah. She's got this veil and she's she's getting up and that's what was another one of the misdirects from the trailer. You see her and you're like, what the fuck is that? Is that a is that one of the aliens? Is that someone? Different? You don't know what it is. Yeah, it's just a woman. Uh, and she her existence <laughs> there is great. The yeah. other thing, the only other point before we move on to uh, how things transpire after this, which is the night of the craziness at uh, at OJ's farm, is the idea that you know you see the Gordy backstory, right? Yeah. And you see how now he is missed interpreting the ufo's actions as like a, a symbiotic relationship he's misinterpreting right. it and i think that the flashbacks and for me the shoe kind of solidifies or or helps drive this point like he very well could be a um a poor narrator of those events or his memory of those events is not true to reality seeing the shoe that way is probably not really what happened but it's how he's picturing it yeah. and his seeming ability to commune with Gordy and fist bump that might not have ever happened but right. that might be how he has rewritten history to cope with it to think that he wasn't ever at risk with Gordy he right. was Gordy trusted him yeah. and now that's why he, he thinks this entity trusts him and he's right. going to be fine with all these people, and he's able to exploit it now because he has a special ability that no one knows about. Which is and it's which, this, yeah. this average that he has that that hasn't been checked, but it's yeah. nature, which is and it's about to get checked. Yeah. And it's which, which is which is completely delusional um, because they yeah. go out they go out of the way to say that there were three different um, apes that played Gordy on the show. So how could he have how could he have formed a bond with one of them? Right. 
Um, yeah, it's just it's just in this moment he felt that way, and and that's how he's rebranded because it's just too yeah. traumatic of an event to to so, deal with. So, or to so with. let's stay right on this point before we even move forward. Um, so uh, OJ has has figured out that this is a beast, and also figured out that it responds with aggression when you make eye contact with it. Yeah. And you don't really know where its eyes are, but don't look at it because it'll take that as a sign of aggression, as a threat, and it'll come at you. Um, yeah, because he is a great horse trainer. He's right. of this yeah. lineage, and he respects it, and he understands it, and right. this is that's what he knows and he trusts. Right. So if we go, um, there's a reference that uh, O.J. makes about a bad miracle, and then you have the the vertical shoe um which is essentially for jupe the bad miracle he stares mm -hmm. at it instead of st looking at gordy which essentially saves his life right if he right, takes his eyes so if he takes his eyes off that shoe for a moment and looks at gordy gordy kills him right that's what the sh this movie is saying the aggressive primal nature of these beasts that that these actors have no respect for that the only people who have respect for them in this movie are oj and his father um right right and uh, so and it's a little bit which we're going to get into in a minute uh filmmaker antlers holt right because yeah okay so yeah we'll get into him too because he's got he's yeah. got a, some interesting uh stuff going on when, when we see him antlers holt so um, this happens right away, right? So th so it sucks up everybody, and then and it, this is like evening. Now it's just it's like, the insane it's, it's, night. Yeah, yeah the, it's the like six o'clock. Yeah, it's like six o'clock when it, when it sucks everyone up. So then it go by the time it gets to the farm, it's now dark. And yeah. OJ has been to Jupiter's. He sees no one, but he sees Lucky. Right. He gets Lucky. He yeah. puts him in the trailer, and he starts coming back to his uh, farmstead with Lucky. With Lucky. And, yeah, the rain is falling. The rain is falling. Um, but the house is already experiencing something. Right. Uh, Emerald is with Angel. Yep. And shit's going down. Yeah, because they're still trying to get the, the Oprah shot. Um, at some point during this scene, uh, an object pierces the, uh, the windshield of the truck, um, the passenger yeah. side, though, no one gets hurt, uh, you'll eventually see that it's the horse that mm -hmm. they made it eat. It, it completely expelled it. Um, yeah, but what, intentionally on yeah. OJ's truck. It's yeah. as if you know, this entity, this, this UFO, uh, this creature, uh, knows, you know, yeah. almost that, like, who's been, uh, who's maligned it in, yeah, in a way. Yeah. Like, but I, I can't I, remember if that happens before it rains down on the house or not. I, I it doesn't. It's not crucial right now. Yeah. But I can't remember if it does that to OJ right. first or after. So but yeah, it's over top of the house where it's like super terrifying because they're like cowering inside the house. The lights are off, but it's storming, and now it's starting to expel everything that it cannot consume. Yeah. So so it's it's like it starts raining blood on the house. Uh, coins, keys, all this stuff just just coming Electric down. Electric scooter, wheelchair. yeah, yeah, wheelchair, all <laughs> sorts all of stuff. Claim of everyone that was there, it's getting rid of all of it because it's inert material that it cannot digest. Right. 
Also, this is where if you, you know you haven't made the connection, um, this this being um, is responsible for killing Otis, not what was ejected from a plane, which kind of right. you know vi- uh, vindic- vilify no vindicates uh, uh, OJ a little bit with his uh, right for knowing that it wasn't what they thought that it was. It wasn't yeah. a random thing. It was uh, the actions of this creature. Right in the sky and so oj notes respect it like an animal uh he gets to the house and he his power keeps coming in and out and again this is another thing that jordan peele does in the film where it there's clues during this the existence of this uh ufo existing where the sound cuts out electronics go out lights go out sounds die down and it's like it's the visual and audio cue that this thing is present and it's useful come the climax of the film like that it has understandable rules and boundaries that you as a viewer know when to be on the edge of your seat because these things are happening so now you know that this means that right. uh, it's a great device which serves both uh, for the plot and for you as a viewer to interpret what you're about to see and it lets them say like no like it's right here without saying it's right there in a yeah. way that doesn't make sense. Right, like, yeah. I he, just know what the, he doesn't need to show like it. He doesn't need to show it the to you. He doesn't need to show you, right. show you the monster. He can just make the sound yeah. go it's, really slow. We talk about Jaws. Yeah, the sound, yeah, the sound of the, like, it, and it's creepy. It's just like Jaws. The, the fucking barrels that they shoot onto the goddamn fucking shark right. come up and come the surface. Up. You know this massive fucking shark is underneath those barrels and it's fucking there. <laughs> So it, and that's what drives yeah. the fear. And just like this, the sound, the light, that's what drives the fear. And so then whenever you see them all be sucked up, now you have this visual to tie to what's happening to you. Whenever you do get sucked up by this fucking thing, you see the blood rain coming down on their goddamn house. Oh, yeah. It's aware. It's a much more terrifying threat. OJ saves Angel and Emerald by coming up. Uh the following morning after things have all happened, it's still kind of around because I think the house doesn't have power or someone doesn't have power. So he calls them into the, the uh, van and they, they get away. And right. this is now where they, they, they stay at Angel's place for a little bit. This is like a little bit of a break. And this is where yeah. I think it stretches a little bit. You know, like yeah. things were kind of high, exciting and happening, but now it's like a, a little bit more of a lull or there's a couple events of this kind of stuff happening. And it's like, we get it, but it was a little right. bit slower. A lot was happening. They have to stay at Angel's place. This is kind of like a nice little break where they're doing VR video game shit. Yeah. Uh, uh, they try. So they they contact this director or the cinematographer. Yeah. They call to, Antlers. Yeah. To try. Because and, he was the he was the director of the the shoot. Yeah. For the commercial that uh, that Lucky and OJ got fired from. Right. And um, Emerald took the. Uh, took the, contact, the, what, the, the contacts from the call sheet. Yeah. Right. So she uh, she was able to call um, him directly, and and, and so he's, he's he's just um he's he's a great director. And there's the conversation. He's like talks about doing one for them, one for you. Uh, he's watching and reviewing video footage of these vicious wildlife animal attacks of like I think yeah. that there's a snake and a fucking tiger battling and he's yeah. watching it so it's just like he's just like watching it reviewing it it's in black and white and he's but he's like yeah. an artist you know the artistry of film he's passionate about 
so Emerald's trying to recruit him, like, you need to film the impossible here. He's kind of, like, not sure what they're talking about, but he's, he's his interests are piqued. Yeah. And, uh, he, but he kind of warns them, like, you can't film the impossible. We're not meant to, you know? He has right. this, like, philosophical belief that if you actually have something that is uh, unreal or never before seen, it's probably not meant to be captured by us, right. or that's our, that's our, um, you know, we're not meant to. Right. So, um, eventually he'll see the news about uh, what happened at Jupiter's um, claim. Yeah, the farm, yeah, because it's a news story now, uh, so the word's getting out. Yeah, he sees it gives credence to what Emerald was trying to sell him that he says no to. Right. He says no thanks. There's a little comic relief in there because, like, they, she thinks she puts him on speakerphone and then her and OJ are saying some crazy shit, and he's, like, listening the whole time. He's like, what the fuck? Uh, there's enough of that sprinkled out through, throughout the movie that makes it kind of, like, fun. Uh, at any rate, he sees the news, and now he decides he's on board and he's, he's going to show board. up to the farm for the final conclusion. And he brings uh, analog equipment that he's developed himself, which will be impervious to the cutout that experienced through technology due to the uh, the UFO. Right. So. And that was in a nice moment too, where OJ and Emerald are kind of like, she's like, "I told you this motherfucker would bring this shit," and like they like they do the fucking high five. And yeah, like, the, the, I was like, <laughs> like, this like yeah, like yeah. that's they're like it's a brother sister moment where they're just like they're on the same wavelength, which hasn't happened a ton throughout the whole fucking movie, really. Right. Uh, it was just a moment where they're, like, they're both in sync, and they get it, and they're both hyped. It was, it was a cool thing. Yeah. So, uh, they, there's a little... Whew. Oh, shit, you're Ooh. fading, brother. Uh, no, it's all right. There's a, there's a little, um, you know, heist uh, movie, let's make up, let's make the plan type moment. Yeah. Uh, where they use Monopoly pieces and a giant map of the, of the gulch. Yeah, I think they use like a small little six inch or seven inch vinyl to signify the the, the monster. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I think that this last one is titled Jean Jacket. That's what they're calling uh, the entity now, the UFO. They call it Jean Jacket because it's that's the horse that Emerald wanted was promised to her, but she wasn't allowed to have that. Her father sold to the production team for the Scorpion King in two thousand one. Right. And Otis, uh, OJ was like a part of and was helped train the horse to go. And Emerald, right. Emerald never had closure. And so they just kind of like relate the two like it was and a they, thing. And they also used camels instead of horses in the end. And, I know, it didn't even matter. And the OJ's wearing that the orange production sweatshirt of Scorpion, the Scorpion King 2001 uh, yeah. for this whole final scene and to the end of the movie. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of cool. Uh, in, so it's just like a, a lot of like you know um, attention to detail, right? I yeah. Think is, yeah. Just like you know, no no mistakes. Like even the as I mentioned earlier, the the triple grate or versus double grate on the grandpa part, I, I right. think was I think was intentional to show that oh, she, yeah, just, that she just memorized the yeah. line that she wasn't actually yeah. like invested in the yeah. history. She didn't personalize it to her experience. It was what her father said, and she just memorized it because she heard it a million times, and that's all that she knows. She can't adjust it to her. 
yeah, there's so much detail and it's all important. Like I'd love to go a second watch and like see all the posters and uh, historical film type stuff that's inside the, the house. It's all really cool. Uh, but yeah, they do this set piece where they're talking about how are they going to capture this thing on film? They're going to have all of this stuff. They start scouring equipment uh, around the neighborhood. They get the, the air-blown wavy arms guys and car yep. batteries by like looting the places nearby, doing all this legal shit so they can set up the gulch in such a way that they can capture this thing, set paths that uh, OJ is going to be the bait, and they want to shoot it on film, and that's where this, this everything uh, comes together uh, yeah. for the conclusion of the film. Yeah, this is the climax. Um, right, but it does not go as planned, which does, is to be expected. Well, not like it would go as planned. <laughs> right. Um Right, so uh, they do lure the monster out with um, OJ is actually on a horse, right? Oh, right, right, right. So this is what happens. So, uh, so they're about to start the plan, and out of nowhere, some guy on a crotch rocket shows up, and he's like, he's like the real news, and he's like, that cloud hasn't moved in twelve well, hours. What do you have to say? About, or, the real, the real fake TMZ. news. TMZ. Uh, TMZ. Yeah, uh, and he's not listening to anything Emerald's saying. Emerald's kind of at the. She's the gatekeeper at the house. Uh, uh, Antlers and Angel are in a blind um, filming with their shit. OJ is out in the field in the gulch trying to lure it in a certain way. Uh, and yeah, TMZ guy shows up, and that's what she says. Oh, it's TMZ. Like, and yeah, the news of Jupiter's claim happening, and now this right. guy is nearby. He's talking about clouds. He's wise to what's happening. He yeah. wants this for himself. Right. He's going to make the money. This is his payday. He's not interested in what you're saying, and he's not even listening to her. She's yeah. trying to talk sense in him. You can't be his private property, which it is. He doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. He's here now. He's going to get what he wants, and he's not listening to anything. And it's very frustrating because you're like, you're going to ruin everything. What the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Uh, and you get so angry at this guy. Yeah. So um, he, uh, yeah, he just takes off towards the mo- towards where we know the monster is. Yeah, and, and, uh, and he is on an electric yeah, bike. Yeah, and he's on an electric, an electric bike. Motorcycle. Yeah, and the angel and goes... And the angel makes that comment. He's like, yeah. yeah. What happens when an electric vehicle hits a wall of of anti-magnetic field or whatever? And uh, <laughs> then we see it when uh, he yeah. flies off his bike. Um, and they're like, oh, yeah. And then uh, he's like... <laughs> yeah, like, there's no dead. way he's he survived that. So OJ... Is a good guy. He wants to save him, so he goes save in him. to save him. The entity is now obviously aware, and uh, and shit. So he it's screwing things up. But this is where things go down. Where he wants to save the guy. He tries to. And the guy's like, the, helmet, the guy's like, take a picture. Life. Did you take a picture of this? It's like, yeah. did you film this? Did you get this on film? And yeah. that's all the guy's saying. And the entity's getting too close now. So he's like, and OJ knows it. So he fails, and he gets yeah, on the horse. And the fucking thing comes, and uh, and that's the thing. It's it's like a tractor beam type traditional UFO thing where it yeah. sucks up things, but it's actually like air and yeah. force that's slurping up whatever's underneath it. And yeah, he takes the fucking dude, and that's the end of that dude. And so now shit is on, and this is where the film turns into the glorification of why fucking uh, real horses. And real actors doing cool shit in front of a camera is important. They turn this into this goddamn spectacle that is so beautiful to see and so uh, edge-of-your-seat type action scene 
um, it's awesome, you know, where he's like leading his horse and you're like, yeah, go man. Also, and I I can't help but note, uh, this is OJ on a Bronco with this thing, the viewer. And it's like, I'm I'm like, man, there's so many layers here of how to to, to, to like neat little nods. I'm like, this is wild. I can't, I'm watching this shit. It's like, has nothing to do with OJ and a Bronco fucking murdering anyone but but that's what it is yeah. you know <laughs> and the uh entity the entity is starting to transform and uh take on all uh all sorts of manner of of shape and this yeah, is like, where... and, like the, before but he uh, OJ does the run the things coming at him he has the hood up for his scorpion king it's got green uh reflectors on the back to look like eyes uh, and so right. he's running, 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 um, and it's like it sees the eyes. It wants to eat him. It sees the eyes as a threat. That's his intent. And then he releases the flags and the parachute to fuck with them. That's what gets it to like turn off on its end. Like, oh fuck, I don't want to eat you. Yeah. And you see this awesome wide shot. It's almost like a stingray. It's not a perfect uh, circle anymore. It's kind of like a, you know, irregular on the edges. And that's yeah. what's alluding to what you're gonna say after this. That, where it, like it wants to eat them and then it can't and now it's really pissed it's starting to evolve antlers and angel their cover's blown it yeah. fucks with them and sucks up their shit uh all this video footage is now shot because it ruined their blind um antlers oh, right. sacrifice antlers. himself yeah yeah he takes like, a, he, he gets it and he gets sucked right up yep and you see the kind of the cool shot of it and now, uh, yeah, now is when it 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 pissed. Right. It so, eats them. It. So now we now it's now we all. now we don't now we don't have footage or we don't know if we have footage, right? Yeah. Um, Seemingly we don't because he did slurp up everything that was in that thing, and you yeah. see like a can or two, and plus they had it in a uh, like a uh, a dark room more or less yeah. and now that all that stuff is gone like yeah. it's exposed and all the all the analog stuff that they shot is dead right so, so i think it's safe to assume they don't have they anything don't have a shot so um uh kiki um hops emerald. on that uh, emerald <laughs> hops on that guy's uh that guy's bike oh shit and, this is the best part or so gross. I, I i'm sure you saw this by the end of it but yeah and again, ta- here's another Remember at the beginning of the movie when she's talking about all the other cool shit that she does? What's the last thing she mentions? Does she say stunt woman? Also motorcycle stunt driver. Oh, she does say that. It gives fucking meaning as to why she's able why to do she's this. she's able to do that. Because she is trained to do it. That's great. But thought of fucking everything. That's, that, yeah, that, I mean, that's so much attention. Uh, to detail. Um, Aaron's cracking me up in the chat. This is great. Yeah, he's funny. Uh, okay, so real quick, before we get to the finale, uh, the film opened with a Bible a Bible verse. Um, yeah, I didn't quote it. Do you have it up yeah, and ready? I, I do. Nahum 3.6. I will cast abominable filth at you, make you vile, and make you a spectacle. Um, so this, this happens a few times, or at least once in the movie, maybe twice. Um, when the we we covered the the monster uh, dousing yeah. the house in blood and all that stuff, so this is that was like that happening was 
you never you didn't know when when that quote was going to appear in the film and in what form it was going to appear in the film and it was sure it's kind of the monster getting a little uh a little back at you um, yeah and the way that it's really because like it's 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 just so random and obscure of a thing to read at the beginning but like the the message of it or the sentiment of it you feel it and like yeah that's what's happening like make you a spectacle and like that's what this film is really about the you know not being able to take your eyes off of a car accident uh, trying right. to capitalize off of all these other things like the creatures the wildlife things sure. that you have no right to take ownership and possession of for your financial gain or your uh, uh, enjoyment uh, for entertainment so these are actual living beings that have every right to have a, their own existence that is not uh, uh, adultered by you and, and what rights do you have? And so, yeah, everything about that original quote coming to roost as it were over their house and with everything else that's transpiring is, uh, is super, it's, it's just well-crafted, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. So she's on the bike and she's riding it to Jupiter's claim. Um, yeah. It's almost like we're, he doesn't want her to go or she, cause this isn't part of the plan. They didn't right. know this was going to happen. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, she, he, OJ wants to sacrifice himself for her, but then she's like, no, I'm going to sacrifice myself for you. And it's kind of like a back and forth. Right. But yeah, so you he, see the thing opening up, it's opening up. It's not it's a thing up. anymore. Right. So, right. So she, yeah. And so, so yeah, this is where the, it definitely looks like uh, a jellyfish of some kind. As It, it opens as it up and there's like this yeah. weird, Square type shape, uh, orifice that's, that's its mouth, but it's also the mouth. eyes and kind and of it like keeps, flash. Yeah, and then it, and it also yeah, keeps like going in and out on itself. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's almost like infinitely transformative, right? Yeah, because it's, yeah, it's the just same. Hard to see. It's like a trick of the eye. Yeah, like yeah. Thin type thing. Because yeah. yeah, it's it's yeah, it's it's a really cool design, very unique, but also uh, rooted in real life. Uh, like sea creature type stuff that yeah. would then work in air if you just consider it with like an invertebrate type structure. So he's like, he's like, get out of here. OJ's like, get out of here. But I'm going to distract you. By... So he does. He does draw it to him. So she, so that, right, exactly. So that the, she can start the bike she and she gets, off. she takes off. She gets to Jupiter's claim. At Jupiter's and claim. Yeah, there's a giant, giant inflated boy with his eyes open <laughs> or the one it's, i yeah i think it's the ones winking it's, it might be winking yeah. claim. and she has this brilliant idea well it's got its eyes open so let's uh let's send it to the air and she she unleashes it and it goes up mm -hmm. and uh and yeah the thing the thing is kind of circling it's looking at it it's trying to figure it out and she's got all these coins on the ground from when um, from when it sucked up all the people, these uh, these tokens. They're not actual yep. coins. They're like tokens for the for the yeah uh, for the, the for sort the of space, camera right? obscura type well photo so, thing that they foreshadowed at the beginning of the movie. At the beginning of the movie, the she she photobombed a couple of kids on accident. Cause she had no idea what it was. This analog uh, camera that sits at the bottom of a well and spits out these Polaroids. So she she just. Puts a coin in, cranks it, takes a picture of nothing. Puts a coin in, cranks, takes a picture of nothing. She's like, I'm yeah. gonna get this fucker on camera, and she just keeps cranking and hopes that it flies over this section of sky, 
um, uh-huh. where where this balloon band is rising very very slowly, um, and this is the climax right here. It does it gets it gets it, but she and she gets the photo of the attack like just as the attack, and then she it eats the the boy, and because yeah. it's because it's a giant helium balloon, uh, it pops and explodes the monster from the inside from the force. Yeah, it's it's the the oxygen tank and Jaws' mouth. Yeah, it's tearing to pieces. It's yeah. completely obliterated in shreds, and all you really see is it kind of in tatters, kind of like wavering in the in the sunset yeah. of that yeah. day, and it's sort of like floating away like a sheet or a piece of fabric would, right. uh, lifelessly. Yeah, and it's, we know we know that the government is going to come and take the remains away. Sure. So, so, yeah, so but, but so, but OJ. And and Emerald have the Polaroid. Camera crews at the front of Jupiter's claim now, looking right. in because like everything else has happened. And they're like, oh, what's going on? And she gets up and she and she knows what she did. Was she's like, yeah, I got you, motherfucker. And she looks out and yeah. you just see like the out yonder sign and you see OJ on the horseback, yeah. looking over. And they just have this moment where they connect and and they got it. They 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 did it. You know, they did it through the yeah. respect of what it was and understanding of what it was and how it interacted, they were right. able to use that information to escape uh, the calamity of what was inevitably going to occur. They found a way to, to not suffer that fate uh, and to survive. And, and yeah, and also um, where a popping balloon uh, <sighs> set off a, a monkey that that traumatized Jupe, that stuck him in that in that mindset to where he could abuse this other animal um, and lead us down this path uh, to where a yeah. popping of a second balloon would destroy <laughs> the yeah. uh, the animal. Such a cool, <laughs> just the, the cool book ending of that. Uh, it's right. It's, it, it's a, it, intelligent, well written, well crafted yeah. filmmaking. Both both incident or the yeah the the story it started with the popping of a balloon and ended with the popping of a balloon because the beginning of the story is the monkey attack. Oh and shit. So uh, did you notice? I was going to mention because you'd mentioned the e-bike. Did you notice what I wanted to talk about about the e-bike and Emerald riding the e-bike and the way that she <laughs> enters Jupiter's claim? With the Akira, the Akira yeah. slide, yeah, <laughs> dude, oh, the Akira like, slide. Oh yeah, oh my god, it was so good. Uh, the Akira, and, uh, sorry, think, the Akira the first, slide. <laughs> sure, I think the first live action rendition of the Akira slide. I think everything oh, yeah? else has been in animation forms. I think <laughs> I could be wrong, but Jesus Christ, how fucking awesome is that? It was. Because you, it was. You, oh, was a huge anime guy. Uh, but I was like, oh my God, he did it. Like, I was like, this is awesome. It fits with what's happening. It all works. It's not cheap. It's no one else is going to notice it unless you know this shit. This is for the fucking geeks that yeah. know this shit. <laughs> oh man. It was, that was so satisfying. Cause I, no one else in the theater, I, I, there was only like a dozen people in my theater when I saw it. No one yeah. else got it. Right. I'm sure Anastasia didn't get it, but like we got it. And I was yeah. like, oh, in that man. moment, I was so I was so geeked out. It was, yeah, it was it was very satisfying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so there you have it. I mean, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, eight uh, out of ten, eight out of ten from both of us. Happened. I mean, uh, yeah. just a great There's movie. There's a lot of cool shit happening. It's not transcendent. It's not. It's not doing things that. Uh, are groundbreaking in like a way that will uh, stand the test of time as like a as a thing like remember this forever and ever because it did this but it solidifies Peel as having the ability to to do, use his unique storytelling in a scale that he hadn't done before yeah. that does rival I and I think that the the Spielbergian way that this is shot and acted out by the second uh, and third act. Uh, I also like the reference that this is his third film and Close Encounters of the Third Kind is an alien movie. I like those kind of neat little layers and parallels that, like, to me, that seems intentional. He didn't have to make an alien movie for his third movie, uh, but I think that he might have been persuaded to because, like, oh, fuck, this is like that, is like this, and now it's going to be this big grand scale type thing. To me, it all works and makes sense. And it just uh, meshes in such a way that it's extremely enjoyable on a lot of different layers from straight popcorn blockbuster sci-fi western summer epic to all of the cool minutia and detail of how to interpret uh, exploitation of animals in film, uh, voyeurism, viewership, spectacle, all of that stuff is there. Uh, and also the black actors like that, that have existed and now like not being a part of the industry or being a from the industry or recognized right. as yeah. having weight and importance in the industry is all meaningful. They make mention. Uh, of, they make mention of that first film of the black um, jockey riding the jockey. horse, where they they know and they have in the history book the name of the horse, but they don't. Nobody knows or can remember, and it was never put down the name of the rider. Right. And so it's like there's so many ways to, to dig into and enjoy all that, and it's there, but it doesn't restrict someone else from appreciating it. Something like Get Out, people hear what it's about, and they're like, oh, I don't want to see this film about race. That's stupid. I think it's fucking dumb or whatever, or I don't appreciate being force-fed your perspectives on race and whatever. Like That's a serious criticism that a lot of people have and will never watch Get Out or will hate Get Out because of that. And this right. film transcends all that. It doesn't hit you in the face in that kind of way uh but it's saying a lot of similar things in it uh but also different things and and it's done, doing it in a way that's palatable to an audience that's so much broader than what those films were or could have been right. and i think that this just shows he's 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 a master of his craft and the way that he tells stories man. yeah, and it's, yeah I'm, i mean I'm all there. the my my only comment is uh for the next one just make sure he wrote it again like Jordan Peele, don't don't direct anything you didn't write. Just let's 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 keep this <laughs> let's keep this gravy train a rolling. Like, um, yeah, and fantastic. So I think that's gonna wrap it up, right? I don't think that there's a whole lot else that we have to say about get uh not get out about uh about, nope. fantastic. Uh, Highly recommend. Yeah. So fun to talk about all the other shit that's yeah, going absolutely. on in the movie. If, if Get Out and Us are on your Blu-ray shelf. Uh, make sure you to add nope to it. Yeah, I think I'm gonna rewatch um, them. Uh, at least, yeah, I don't know if Sarah's seen both, but I definitely want to rewatch them now, just for fun. Oh man, what a great ride! Um, yeah. Super great to see him back in uh, 
how long ago was us? What year was us? Was it 2017, 2018? Was it not that old? 2019. Was it okay? Three years. And I hope we don't have to wait three more years. But man, I'll I'll wait however long we gotta wait. And get out uh, was 2017. But Candyman was last year, so he was obviously... Yeah, he, but still, again, different. You know, he's still a part of things. I know he's still producing well, content. Well, he, had to, he but... had to write it. And that's, uh, sure. Yeah, that takes away from your other projects. Yeah. But, man, uh, awesome. So this has been awesome uh, first episode of our second season. I'm super happy to be back. Uh, oh, yeah. I did not expect our conversation to last nearly two hours, yet on here we are. Movie. On here we are. <laughs> So uh, I both apologize to people that I, I'm not apologizing necessarily. I understand this is a long conversation. Either you're here or you're not. Right. Uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's, it's just fine. But I wouldn't have expected us to fill that much uh, airtime talking about just this one film. But so clearly, you know, there, there's something there there. Oh, yeah. All right, so um, we, we since it's gone long, we'll try to keep this last part short. Uh, we wanted to discuss August's uh, schedule real quick before we uh, say farewell. Um, and, and I actually wrote up a, a quick little mock-up. Um, the, these could change, as Rod and I have discussed none of this. This is, this is all off the cuff. Um, so August 5th, we have Bodies, 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 which works perfect for next week's episode on August 9th. I think we're probably both on board with that one. Um, August August 12th, Day Shift comes out. That is a Jamie Foxx, Dave Franco, and Snoop Doggy Dog vampire movie. And I, I, I looked for not very long, but I did a little research, and I don't think anything else is coming out that week. So unfortunately, I think that's our best choice uh, for the... I'm, I'm going to maybe audible on that one. Cause All right, sure. yeah, that, that's fine, that's fine. <laughs> Uh, like, August. <laughs> I mean, we did review six six six. I don't necessarily want to watch another studio six six six, but whatever. Yeah. I get people do. Go on. <laughs> uh, uh, this one, uh, this one, I remember being excited about. It's called Glorious. Uh, a man gets uh, like locked in a bathroom somehow, and a voice instructs him on how to uh, stop this world-ending event. The voice is J.K. Simmons. It is independent horror in the Lovecraftian sense, as it was described. comes out on the 19th, so that could be for the episode on the 23rd. That's on Shudder, right? That's a Shudder release, isn't it? Uh, that is a Shudder release, yes. Yeah. And then the 26th, uh, The Invitation comes out, uh, which could land us an August 30th episode. So, yeah. I mean, uh, so I'm going to let like, there's still four other films. If we don't review them, you should all know about them. Uh, Watcher is going to be hit streaming soon, as Watcher, if it's not yeah. already on VOD, uh, which is maybe more of a thriller edge, but either way, highly rated film that's been uh, coming out. Uh, Incantation, which is on Netflix now, we may be discussing. We don't know yet. Uh, also, The Restock is going to be coming out, and She Will, I believe, is on VOD. She Will, I've already seen. Highly recommend along the lines of All the Moon, uh, You Are Not My Mother, and all the other folky, witchy stuff that has been very popular apparently in the past year because we've seen a fuck Dude, ton of those. Hellbender? Songs. I love Hellbender, Hellbender. yeah. Hellbender was great. I don't know what the fuck it is, but apparently it's having a resurgence because there's been a ton of fucking witchy folk horror movies. Yeah. And this one I think might be one of the best, if not the best, that we've seen, to be honest. 
What was the second movie you named? The one after Watcher? Oh, Incantation on Netflix. Incantation, right. Which we might be watching. Yep, we, we could, that could definitely be in But look, all these films that we've talked about are all ones that we're going to be watching. We might not be talking about them, though. We recommend them that be on the lookout. If you're looking for something to watch, go see it before we do or see it when we do see it. We might talk about it, we might not, but it sounds like it's August is a pretty packed field. Also, Prey coming Prey, to Hulu. Which is a show, so maybe we'll... Orphan First Kill. Did you say Orphan First Kill? Oh, I didn't say Orphan First Kill. Orphan First Kill is the, the 19th. Dude, oh, yeah. That released the news yeah. that Orphan First Kill was going to be happening. And apparently, Finally. Apparently the, the, the Twitter people didn't like the way that you said that. <laughs> they, they didn't? Yeah, remember the one guy who was like, oh, oh uh, the last time I... The last time <laughs> yeah. I announced it. He was such a douche about it. Yeah, well, it's fucking Twitter. There's all kinds of douches. Uh, Joe <laughs> Russo uh, of the Russo brothers that helped create Endgame have been just complete douchebags lately uh, with the way that they talk about it. They talk about how they think going to the theater is a uh, an elitist thing to be doing. Having the ability to go to the theater is elitist. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Films are, like, it, it's a little expensive, but it's not elitist. Like, what yeah. the fuck? And then they're talking about how they think that them making a film like The Gray Man, which is on Netflix, which I did see. Did you see it yet? I didn't, but I actually saw the trailer for it when I saw Nope, so I, I might watch it. It's uh, it's fun. I'll say that. It's fun. It's Ryan Gosling and it's uh, Chris Evans, uh, right? Chris so, Evans, right. Who are fun and are ridiculous and are mouthy, quippy-type guys, and that's what the movie's about. It's mouthy, quippy plucky guys that are murdering people and are guns for hire mercenary type guys like a John Wick style movie uh, and that's that's what it is that's all okay. it is it's dumb bullshit government CIA secret op type bullshit that you don't really care but it's just fun popcorn entertain me sure sure so it doesn't have any importance it doesn't have all this cool hidden meaning of shit like this movie does uh, anyways they were saying our ability to make business focused content like the gray man is what allows people like the Daniels to make everything everywhere all at once. And I'm reading this. I'm like, you can fuck right off, dude. <laughs> I do not think so. You do not need to make business-focused content that, like that. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? If anything, you putting out garbage for everyone to consume like McDonald's is what makes it harder for films like Everything Everywhere to get a bigger audience because they're so used to eating shit that you feed yeah. them. They don't know how to appreciate and understand art like everything everywhere all at once. Yeah. So the yeah. Twitter, the Twitter <laughs> world, like that's how I get, I get passionately infuriated with these yeah. fucking morons. And, you, but this is a guy that's in the film industry and you want, he, you want to, you want to save people money and maybe make tickets cheaper. Stop paying your fucking actors so much. Start casting, like, really good, like, normal-looking, average-looking people like the BBC does and pay them, you know, yeah. a, a couple hundred grand to be in a movie. And yeah, uh, and guess what? Uh, every every what fucking awesome horror movie I've ever seen has no-name actors in it. So. Yeah. The Innocence that we just watched, a <laughs> oh, yeah. movie. Uh, the Hatching that we just watched, these are foreign films that were amazing. And I'm sure they had so much smaller budgets, but they were well-executed and acted films. That's all you have to do. You don't. It doesn't have to, you know. Yeah. Just find. Oh some my good God, Aaron! Uh -huh. Everything, everywhere, all at once is amazing. That it's people amazing. have. Go see it uh, right away. 
at the shop, there's a shirt, googly eye, A24 logo. It is the highest selling shirt that I made. Uh, it's just recreation of a logo that already exists, but it's my version of that logo, unique art that I made by hand. Uh, people love it. It's the highest selling because that movie was uh, just spoke to so many people for so many different reasons. Uh, and it has a lot of everything. It's hard to describe. It's really an experience of a movie. Yeah, no, that's that recommendation. best way to describe everything everywhere is it's an experience. Um, so, yeah, go, we're not going to tell you anything about it. Just go see it. Yeah, uh, uh, you know, funny thing is I secretly have thought we should try to write and make a movie. <laughs> and, and I was even thinking, like, just how fucking stupid I am. I was like, you know what? I should, uh, is there a local theater that needs actors? Maybe I should start doing that. I think I would like doing that. I don't care. I don't know anyone up here. I'm not friends with anyone up here. I don't care if I make a fool of myself or embarrass myself. I might start doing that. Maybe I'll be good at it. Maybe I'll just enjoy it. I don't know. I might start doing that. This, this, you heard it do, here first. Do, do. You should do it. I think you should do it. Um, thanks, Aaron. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Um, all right, so um, as uh, Aaron was the only one in the chat, Aaron wins a t-shirt. Um, yeah, as, Aaron. We, as we approach the two-hour mark on the first episode of season two, I've been Nate Roberts for the podcast for the recently deceased. And I've been Rodney Godek. Take care. And we'll see you next time.